Machute Mate recognizes the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and any indigenous elders of other communities who may be listening today. We stand in solidarity in their struggle towards the colonization and land back. Buenas mi gente, what is good? Que es la que hay, machete mate, back after 47 years, um, again, another extended, <laughs> unplanned hiatus, whatever, it's just, it's, it's, it's society, it's life. Um, not like there's anything going on in our personal lives at all. Um, I know for, for Austin, nothing's going on at all, just chilling at home, just chilling, just grilling and, and chilling, whatever. Um, Anyway, we'll get to all that stuff. But in saying that, um, thanks for those of you who um, sit on board on the Machete Mate train and kept supporting us and all the homies in the, in the Discord community. Um, much love to all of you. Um, and in saying that, if you support what we do, um, consider showing your solidarity on our Patreon. You get access to our Discord community. Um, get uh, access to our After Dark episodes. We haven't done for a, one for a while, but um, I think if we have time today, we'll probably... Uh, put one down and um get that to y'all there's a in all series there's a, there's a there's a lot of shit to cover so um that'll that'll be i'm sure that'll be a fun one um but yeah if not um just thanks for tuning in um wherever you listen to us whether it's at like a apple podcast or whatever the fuck um just leave us a review and a little comment and um you know fuck with the, the algorithm get us to more people that'll that'll be really 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 fun um also, shout out to um, all the, the Muslim homies. Um, may you have a uh, most serene Ramadan. Um, shout out to, because I live in a quiet Muslim area. They're all pretty cool. Um, shout out to all the Muslim Palestinian homies in Palestine. Um, may your um, Ramadan be fruitful from the river to the sea. So um, shout out to y'all. Um, what else? Um, again, a lot of shit going on. We'll definitely get to that. Um I'm Leroy, coming to you from the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people, um, with the homie Austin in undisclosed location. What's going on, man? Hello there, Leroy. It's good to be back. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. And and T was good, man. <laughs> oh, I'm chilling. You know, I'm I'm good. You know, I just I feel like I had to do some like vocal exercises. You know, this before recording. You know, it's been a while. Like you said, it's been 47 <laughs> years. Time. So like I've been just you know like just kind of training my my vocal cords, getting my podcast uh, voice back, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm chilling. It's it's good. Um, I know you know out out of the three of us, Austin has had the least eventful uh, of uh during this this brief uh, month or excuse me, forty seven yeah. years, right? Forty seven years. Um, yeah decades happening in weeks and whatnot um not just uh in our personal lives but around uh the region of course um so interesting things to look at look at uh ain't that right leroy yeah 100 percent. like you're looking at us right now he's actually aged backwards it's been so so easy for him so um <laughs> you got like wait, oh, a- austin benjamin what's up is that a Wait, age backwards. Is that a compliment? Um, yeah, it's like your your as in like your life these last however long has been so easy. You're actually getting younger. You have you have fewer yeah, gray hairs. Yeah. Now, nah. all the 
no, 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 hold on. To all the listeners, what Leroy is saying, he's attempting to compliment me on my incredibly good looks. Leroy is saying that I am incredibly good looking, right? (laughs) With the level of stress levels in my life significantly decreasing, I'm hopeful, Leroy, that the color will come back in my hair. Um, Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, doubtful, doubtful. Anyway, I've been okay. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> How are you, Leroy? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, nah, pretty chill. Um, it's finally getting colder here in Melbourne. So, like, we're definitely in um, autumn, full swing of autumn, going into winter. And if you're familiar with, with Melbourne winters, it's, it's really shit. It doesn't get cold, cold. It gets to, like, averages of, like, 10, 11, 12 Celsius. So, like, maybe low 50s. What? But it, it's just okay. – it's just but the thing is, it's just constantly overcast, always constantly kind of drizzly. It's kind of, it's just, it's just disgusting. Um, but whatever. Um, who gives a shit? Matching, um, matching it, currently the weather matches the soul of Australia. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right, man. Like, um, speaking of which, a lot of shit going on we can discuss as well, but that's, 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 that's beyond our purview. Um, it's also Autism Acceptance Month. Um, for those of you who are fans of the show, I'm a little boy, you know, um, he's autistic. So much love to the entire community. And um, let's bring awareness to um, everyone on the spectrum that um, little beautiful people and um, something definitely to um, be more accepting, especially within the actual community itself, because there's a lot of ableism within the community amongst um ostensibly caring parents which is always disappointing but it is what it is it's just of part of the fabric of society right so like um austin just said um we've internalized this need to create little robots so even parents who um have children who might not seem like perfect little robots the inclination is to turn them into little robots which is um fucking bullshit for anybody in our society but whatever Anyway, um, yeah, let's get into it because we could be here all day. Um, a lot of things going on, but we're probably going to narrow it down to the three stories. Um, we have to talk about the Puerto Rico story, that there's an anti-abortion bill going through um, Congress at the moment. But we'll say that for last because, you know, we've learned that lesson. Um, there's also Peru being Peru, a couple of impeachment um, attempts on Castillo. We'll just get to that. But we'll probably kick it off with um, probably one of the more exciting th- uh, stories out of the region. It's the recent primaries and like the election in Colombia, like rushing it up into the election. As we know, um, Petro came Petro came out on top. So you know, sort of like Colombian Bernie Sanders, whatever you want. Um, either way, it's it. He represents a complete paradigm shift in Colombia. And if you if you've been following along with us, we know that Colombia is the 51st state. It's the biggest, you know, client state of the United States in, in, in the region, right? Um, and his vice president, um, who ran the primary against him, but now they've obviously formed a, a coalition, a union, a, you know, single ticket, which is amazing. Um, Afro-Colombian Francia Marquez, uh, which is really, 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 really massive, because just like many other places in Latin America, you still have this, like, white bourgeoisie, like, comprador class, and she's Afro-Colombian. Um, which is massive because Colombia has a massive, massive um, black population. So having her like there bringing the issues and bringing awareness to that um, is is incredible. Um, just the other day or just yesterday, she tweeted something out about also making sure that, you know, they're going to bring the issues of the Amazonas region to the forefront as well. It's like bringing indigenous issues, you know, to the forefront of Colombian politics and to the region, whatever, because that's obviously not ever very rarely been a thing because as we know um there's literal death squads going around like murdering like entire indigenous communities but 
I don't know. We'll get into it. Austin, what are your thoughts, bro? There's a lot of different things that I would love to say about this particular story in particular, right? This election that just happened in Colombia was, you know, it's, I feel like it's something, I might've said this recently, I don't remember. I feel like it's something we've almost become desensitized to, right? I remember a year ago when the Pacto Historico, when the historic pack, a historic pack was first founded, we did an episode about it, right? And yeah. I would encourage listeners to go back to listen to that episode. Because in that episode, we talk about having like cautious optimism to a certain extent, saying how, oh, wow, this is like a lot of the different constituent groups, like the, the Afro-Colombians, the indigenous Colombians, former FARC, right? The Colombia Humana, the Social Democrats, the Democratic Socialists, everybody coming together to build a coalition in Colombia. That in and of itself was a beautiful thing that potent, that had the potential to pave the way to what we're talking about now, right? I think in the last couple months before this election, there was been so much polling about how good the Pacto Historico was going to do, which is why I say I feel like we've almost become desensitized to this. Like you said, Leroy, this is Colombia. This is the 51st state. This is the, the heart and soul of, of U.S. hegemony within the region, the heart and soul yeah. of <laughs> of global capital, whatever we want to call it, within the region, right? For many, many different reasons. This is Venezuela's neighbor, right? This is a, a critically important country for, for many different reasons. So what happened, right? What happened? The elections were held, I believe, on March 13th, right? And let's be very clear. These were the legislative elections. The presidential election is not until another couple months in May. These legislative elections that the Pacto Historico ran in, uh, they were able to win <laughs> a plurality of seats in the Senate, in the Senate of Colombia. Now, granted, that plurality was won with around 17% of the vote, right? So not close to a majority, but still a plurality, right? That in and of itself for the Pacto Historical. This is a coalition that has the Communist Party in it, right? This is a coalition that has former FARC in it, right? It has the Union Patriotica in it, the first time the FARC went legit. Obviously, it's being led by Colombia Humana, Gustavo Petro's party, right? It has Maíz in it, the indigenous party, led by Marta Peralta yeah. FPA. As uh, was mentioned, it has uh, Francia Marquez, right, leading the Afro-Colombians. It has the, uh, uh, what is it, the Alternative Democratic Poll, right, which is uh, Piedad Cordoba's party. Right? You remember Piedad Cordoba, uh, who was uh, an Afro-Colombian senator during the Uribe era, who was banned from yeah. office because of her supposed ties to FARC, right, in Chavez. But this is a this is an actual left coalition is the point I'm getting at here. And for them to have won a plurality of seats in the Senate is remarkable. Now, in the House, the Chamber of Deputies, the lower house, right, they did win a plurality of the vote, but because of the how the districts are drawn, they did not win a plurality of seats. They're a couple seats shy, right? But they did win the most votes. They won the most votes in the Senate and in the House. People such as Piedad Cordoba, who had been not only uh, out of, wasn't only out of the Senate, but was literally banned from running for office during the Uribe era, right? She will be back in the Senate soon, which is amazing, right? I, I would consider Piedad Cordoba and the alternative democratic world, they're kind of like the 21st century socialists within this coalition, right? This is an actual broad left coalition, which is an incredibly beautiful thing to see, right? I think... There's a lot of different angles that we should also be covering with this. 
I think another important thing to be discussing is what you touched upon earlier regarding Francia Marquez. Some of our seasoned Machete Matistas might recall we talked about Colombia at the beginning of this year in our year, year preview with the homie Matt, Matt K. Um, we also talked about Francia Marquez and how at the time there was perhaps a little bit of conflict between Francia Marquez and Gustavo Petro. Right? Francia was raising awareness toward the lack of Afro-Colombian representation within the Paco Historico. Right? As you mentioned, Leroy, I mean, in my mind, the Afro-Colombian community is one of the most historic and culturally significant Afro-descended communities in all of Latin America. Right? This is this is who we're talking about here. So this was a very important situation that Francia was, was raising. It, at the time, it remains to be seen how the situation was going to develop. I think very much to the credit of both Gustavo Petro and Francia Marquez, they've been able to work together, right? They've been able to forge a coalition together, which is what's going to be important to be able to challenge and win power. Left unity, right? Who could have ever possibly thought of such a thing? Um, as you mentioned, the uh, the presidential primaries, so to speak, I believe they refer to it as consultas, right? The presidential yeah. primaries were also held on this date of the congressional election. And uh, it's amazing. Not only did Petro so far outperform everybody else in these primaries, right? Every other candidate, every opposition candidate, right? Francia Marquez herself, off the top of my head, I believe came in third in raw votes out of the whole presidential field. So to see them coming together, right? To see Petro as officially the, the head of the ticket, and to see Francia Marquez as now the vice presidential candidate for the Paco Historico. Guys, I think they're going to win. I think it's a done deal. I think they're going to fucking win. Right? And if... I mean... <laughs> Like, that's heavy though that's yeah. heavy though like you mentioned colombia is has such a central place not just um in terms of it's like the just it's ongoing social struggles that have happened there but it's positioned in global capital yeah. like not to get super basic and super obvious like it is the one country that ha you know it's the most power one of the more powerful countries that has that pacific and caribbean sea access like it's very crucial to to global and inter global trade uh, just I mean, the, a historic pact victory would, would as you, you mentioned earlier, Leroy, would be a complete and, and, and total uh, system shock. Yeah. It's completely unheard of. Yeah, like 100%. And sorry, before I continue on, um, excuse the audio and because we've been having heaps of technical difficulties. So um, whatever, fuck you. Um, yeah, but 100%. And I think um, it's, we need to... Um, we can't overemphasize the importance of the Afro-Colombian, like, like importance in this election, right? And we're talking about going back to like the independent struggles with Bolivar, right? The Afro-Colombian and Afro-Venezuelan, the Afro, you know, of African population of Gran Colombia, so to speak, played a central role in those like liberation struggles. Yet 
going forward just like because again like the americas are the americas like it's just been a place you know of like white supremacist you know subjugation of afro and indigenous and afro indigenous populations as well so to be able to have that representation and and it's not just representation for the sake of representation like her policies are good you know what i mean like which and it and it's great to mobilize those communities as well who've always been disenfranchised in colombia like a a fundamentally white supremacist state in the region is going to be massive and like you said like it's 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 a complete paradigm shift so um but like it'll be interesting to see going forward because um we like to joke around but like petro's already been hit with the cancer gun you know what i mean like like ha 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 but like like, what do we see going forward? Like, if they actually actually win, and not to mention another big thing as well is I think I don't know if it was like the mayor of Medellin or like the governor of Antioquia, or whatever, came out in support of historic of of Petro, or whatever, which is massive because we got to remember like Uribe is from Medellin, right? Like Medellin is like the center of like right wing thought and like organ organizing in Colombia. So like I don't know, I don't know, Austin, if you have thoughts on that. Absolutely, I have a lot of different thoughts. Um, <clears throat> first thing, I, I think we'd be remiss without uh, without first discussing before we talk about what the future could potentially look like here. Um, there was a lot of fear mongering, as as would be expected, right? This is the right wing strategy in the twenty first century. There was a lot of fear mongering around the electoral observation delegations going into this election, right? Much more so than we've seen in other, like more more so than we saw in Peru than in Ecuador. Um, if anything, we were getting to like Bolivia levels, right? How they were getting interrogated at like airports and stuff like that uh, during the coup government of Bolivia, right? That's how badly electoral observers were getting treated in Colombia. So that's something to be mindful of, especially as we get into the presidential election in May. Um, there was also a lot of fuckery afoot in the last month. The right wing did one of their classic strategies, right? What do we know as Marxists, as, as socialists, right? We know that bourgeois electoral systems are inherently fucked, right? And that they're rigged in favor of the right wing. So what does the right wing do when it loses? It points out these true flaws in the system and says, oh, you see, it's all fucked. We got to do a redo, right? And that's what they tried to do after this congressional election. And it, <laughs> for a moment there, it looked like it might actually happen, right? It was made known after the election that due to irregularities, voter fraud, voter su suppression, you know, gen once again, bourgeois electoral systems, general election fuckery, the Pacto Historico should have won more seats, go figure. But a lot of right-wing figures, including Uribe himself, came out and said, we know we need to redo the whole election. It's all compromised, right? Luckily, the Supreme Court of Colombia threw this out, thank God. Uh, since it, it got to a point where even Pacto Historical people were saying, okay, chill the fuck out. This is now right-wingers trying to sabotage everything and rig this fucking election, right? Yeah. So I think that's important to, to, to touch upon. Um, as far as what's possible, right, I think, you know, Leroy, you're touching upon, like, what does a Petro presidency look like, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's important to note the Pacto Historical in the Senate and the House got their seats with 17% of the vote. What does that mean, guys? It's like Peru, congressional clusterfuck, right? It's, no, don't, like, it's impossible to overstate the historical significance and importance of an actual left-wing coalition winning these pluralities in fucking Colombia, right? Yeah, man. However, however, 
It's like the Peruvian Congress in that all the right-wing parties coming together, they can cobble together a fucked-up majority and, like, muck up the system and do bullshit and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. What I love the most about the Colombian electoral, uh, electoral system is how, oh, my God, the eternal enemies, the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party, they've been in coalition together for, like, the last decade. Right? That's amazing to me, right? Just total exposure of the bourgeois electoral system, right? I think that's hilarious. Um, so I think um, another thing to think about is, right, and we talked a little bit about this when Matt was on at the beginning of this year, right? What can a petrol presidency actually accomplish? Right? You're, you're going to have a, right, you have a lot of fighters in the Congress now, beautiful, right? But you still got a lot of, it's still Colombian, right? I think we often forget that for all intents and purposes, like Colombia and Venezuela aren't just hostile to each other. They're basically at war. Like when you consider the fact that it's Colombian far-right paramilitaries going into the Llanos, like killing campesinos in Venezuela and stuff like that, they're essentially in a state of like low intensity war, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. And I think that a petrol presidency at the elite, like are relations between Colombia and Venezuela going to be friendly under a petrol presidency. I think that remains to be seen. However, there actually will be relations, hopefully, right? Which is an enormous step forward in and of itself, right? You have a government in Colombia that's actually friendly with at least some of the newer left-wing governments like Gabriel Boric and Luis Arce and Pedro Castillo. Um, and I think that's a, a massive Massive step forward. I mean, obviously, massive step forward for so many different reasons. It's Colombia, man. Fuck, right? That's just huge in and of itself. Francia Marquez being vice president, hmm, that's a superstar in the making already, right? We'd be remiss without mentioning her extensive environmental work, right? You touched upon her raising awareness to the Amazon, right? She's a noted environmental defender, right? A promoter of ecology. Right, this is some serious shit. Um, yeah. Like, this is a whatever the petrol presidency has done. You've already got your successor, who will be even, you know, arguably even more of a significant presidential change for Colombia than Petro. So, I think there's so many different things to be factoring in here. But at the end of the day, my God, the Pacto Historical won a fucking plurality in the Congress. That's astonishing. Yeah, hundred percent, and um. It's interesting going back to where you talk about like all the fuckery, like propaganda by the right wing coming out already. You already see, um, like on Twitter, online, or whatever, you get like these trolls already talking about that Petro and Francia Marquez are the Bobo Livar, the candidates. So, like in Spanish, Bobo is like means fool, so or like or like whatever. So, like by saying Bobo Livar is like the foolish, like Bolivars, or whatever. Like, like, you know what I mean? And like, that goes to show the difference in like the the national heroes and like how they view their, their national histories. Um, so they're already trying to tie this. I don't know if milk toast is going too far, but this just left leaning coalition of people already trying to tie into the eternal boogeyman of um, Chavez and Maduro and Cuba, whatever. Um, but I think at the very least what we'll see. And I, and I could be wrong, but I think, I think Petro has come out and been sort of, problematic at least problematic in our eyes towards venezuela and maduro but i think at the very least it'll be like a softening of relations it'll be a a 
a thawing of relations. I don't think it's necessarily going to come on and be like, oh, you know, we're 100%, you know, back, you know, on the same page, but at least it'll be an improvement of what it is. Because again, like you said, it's, it's almost like a stereotypical India-Pakistan situation, right? Where there's constant border skirmishes, like for the last 70, 80 years, you know what I mean? Like, so at the very least, the one positive will be a thawing in those relations. I mean, in truth, in truth, um, the only way it could possibly get worse is would be open warfare. So honestly, any change would be an improvement. It, it, besides, yeah. I, I can't imagine it getting any worse except open warfare. I mean, obviously, as mentioned before, you know, the structural constraints domestically are also going to be operating, you know, internationally. You know, there's only so much. I mean, there's only so much that his organization will be able to do. I mean, we see in, we see in Peru um, what what happens when a historically, you know, conservative dominated country has an upset election now, and it's it's been nothing but uh, political instability uh, uh, from the jump. As much as I am deeply appreciative of that segue there, T, there's a couple things that I wanted to touch upon. <laughs> I think we'd be remiss without mentioning the right wing candidate, right? We haven't talked about the right wing at all. Uh, Fico, oh, that's fair. Fico Gutierrez, who's an enormous yeah, person, right. Um, however, he's almost I feel like totally exposed himself as a clown already after some like clownish debate performances. I mean, you, you just look at the fucking guy. He's like a caricature of an asshole who's like on a narco payroll, right? So like, it's amazing. So, that, that's hilarious. I think I think it's important to, to recognize that, to once again, remind ourselves, one of the biggest reasons we've gotten to this point is just because of how delegitimized Uribismo became under the Duque government, right? And that's part of the biggest reason why FICO, I think, almost has no fucking chance. Um, Obviously, we're almost two months out, but guys, I think they've got this in the bag. Like, it's theirs to lose. Let me put it that way. It's theirs to lose, which is an astonishing sentence okay. in and of itself. Um, but sure, we can move on. Yeah, we can move on here. Uh, to- yeah, I mean, let's – we got we got this interest, just another example of the um, instability of uh, Peru's uh, current uh, government. Yeah, 100%. Um It'll surely be interesting. It's 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 definitely something to watch in Colombia because again, like I think in Latin America, Colombia and Brazil are the two biggest client states of the United States. So whatever happened to those two countries has enormous ripple effects across the regions. Um, and by region, I mean the, the entire America. So keep an eye on. It'll be interesting. Um, but as we've been trying to segue for the last like five minutes. Um, Further fuckery in Peru, right? There's been a, what, a third impeachment, I think a third impeachment attempt on Castillo. Like we said, uh, we all have, you know, for long-time listeners of the show, we kind of have an idea of what type of person Castillo is, what kind of president and politician he is, um, and have a good sense of what kind of a society politically uh, Peru is. Um, and yeah, so it's just typical shit we've always been talking about, that the, the biggest challenge that Castillo's going to have is going to be the Congress, right? It doesn't matter what he wanted, but the fact that he's a ostensibly left-leaning human being within Colombia would be unacceptable for the right-wing hegemonic powers in, in the Congress. Um, and we're seeing, we're seeing what's, ha- what's been happening. So this recent impeachment attempt also comes amid a... Uh, 
a transport worker strike actually. So there are, there are uh, truckers on strike right now. Um, They've shut down roads in certain places. There are also right-wing protests in Lima itself. Um, Now the vote uh, failed uh, by, uh, so he got 55, there were 55 votes in the Congress in favor of impeachment. They had to get to 87. They did not reach 87. Um, Now, although Castillo's position seems like he is is fine like he's not going to get impeached not that they won't continue to try um the difficulty has been just trying to run a functional government yeah and they've gone through how many cabinets now like three three or four uh cabinet reshufflings like not just and not just like uh minor cabinet like serious that you could almost say there have been four governments uh or four administrations during his you know altogether very brief uh, presidency so far there is he's kind of swung wildly back and forth between different uh kind of uh wings of his of his party there have been defections um i don't know now i'm not trying to I, he's <laughs> i don't envy castillo's position i don't i don't envy being uh the first you know left-wing president of peru but the opposition parties you know as anybody uh with eyes could see that um, the, the the opposition uh, would be coming from the Congress and the opposition parties have essentially consolidated enough to where they can't remove him from office, but they can put enough pressure on him to really show him, uh, you know, the structural impediments to a left wing program with the Congress, you know, really as the superior branch of government in uh, Peru in conjunction with a kind of crass and venal military class, which always like likes to occasionally threaten uh, any politician who steps out of line. I, I don't envy Castillo. Um, they're, they're demonstrating that it's, it's not enough to simply capture the presidency, that something must be done to weaken the Congress if, if you're to push your program. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, I won't go so far to say it reminds me of uh, Allende in Chile, but it has it's 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 similar in that like fine Allende won the presidency, but like going up to the very top in Washington, like he was never going to be allowed to function properly to hold that chair properly. You know what I mean? So every step of the way, the Congress, the institutions, the bourgeois, you know, structure there was going to make it absolutely impossible for him to do absolutely anything to the point of what happened. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying there's going to be a coup. I'm not going to say he's going to be, you know, assassinated or whatever the fuck I'm just saying, but it's, it's, that's, that's sort of the same thing that we're dealing with that when a left leaning person takes power in a traditionally right wing country in the Americas, the, in terms of keeping the facade of having liberal democracy, they'll, they'll, they'll seat him. They'll allow him to take power because, you know, you know, we're, we're not we're not animals, but they're going to make his life absolutely fucking impossible and not allow anything to actually happen. You know what I mean? Because governance, society, the you know, the country is more than just like that, that figurehead. I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, you're making perfect sense. And here's what I would say. <clears throat> I would love one day for us to do like a whole like one to two hour deep dive on what exactly has happened in Peru, right? Obviously, well, we probably should. Should. Yeah. obviously, we yeah, exactly we should because I think it yields a lot of valuable lessons, such as the one that you're discussing earlier. Obviously, we covered Peru quite extensively during the summer. I was there. I met Pedro Castillo. I worked with a lot of different members of his cabinet, right? 
So I think that one of the things that I would say, one of the things that I would reemphasize is something I said at the time, which is what was, what was one of my biggest takeaways from uh, meeting all of these people? People have to remember Pedro Castillo is not a man motivated by ideology. I said it then, I'll say it now. He is not a man motivated by ideology. And that has unfortunately shown itself for the worst. That he's been very easily pulled in multiple different directions, right? But fundamentally, Leroy, getting to your point here, I think there's two big things that I would raise. One, absolutely, this is another testament to the limits of working within so-called bourgeois electoralism, if you want to call it that. Liberal democracy, if we want to call it that, right? These are the limits of working within that, right? With that said, we see in cases like Bolivia and Venezuela, what's one of the most important things if you are going to do that? Stay connected to your bases. Pedro Castillo right now is fully disconnected from his bases. Fully disconnected. Peru Libre are the ones with connection to the bases. Peru Libre are the ones right there with that transport worker strike in Huni, right? It's them on the front lines. It's them saying, hey, what the fuck happened, El Profe? Totally. To like, I think at the time, there was conflict between Castillo and Peru Libre and Vladimir Saron when the, when the break with the party happened. And I know there were a lot of people that were critical of Peru Libre and Saron for various different reasons, a lot of them justifiable. But fundamentally, he is disconnected from his base. Totally isolated. Totally isolated, right? And this is, once again, the example of what can go wrong when you're disconnected from the bases and trying to work within liberal democracy, so to speak. Even Nuevo Peru, a couple months ago, pulled away from Castillo. Patria Roja, pulled away from Castillo. Funnily enough, funnily enough, because they see the big picture, they continue, all those parties, continue to vote against impeachment, right? They all continue to vote against impeachment. They all continue to try to appeal to him, right? And say, what the fuck are you doing, right? With the uh, Fujimori, Alberto Fujimori, apparently going you know, to fucking leave jail soon and shit. Like, a lot yeah. of can do Pedro, what the fuck, man, right? So, like, uh, I think those are important things to, uh, to, recognize, uh, to recognize as well. 100%. And I completely forgot the fact that um, Fujimori was, like, pardoned or whatever the fuck. And, like, it's, yeah. it's a bit of, it's a bit of a segue, but, like, for... I mean, we've talked about him and like the listeners, we'll know. But if you have no idea who Fujimori, Fujimori is, a fucking monster, like a fucking systematic sterilization of indigenous women. Like it's he's a fucking monster. Um, anyway, but to your point, Austin, like it's it's so it's so sad, it's so depressing because Bolivia is right there. You know what I mean? Like you have the example of Bolivia of like at the end of the day, like you have Evo, you have um, you know everybody else there. But Mas was always like the actual people on the on the ground were the ones that came together and are running the show. You know what I mean? It wasn't Evo by himself or um and or Arce by himself who counteracted the coup. It was everyone mobilizing together and then the people at the top staying connected to the bases because the bases are everything, you know what I mean? And like it's it's just it's it's disappointing that like it's right there and like and I don't want to say that like it was an unwillingness, but just the inability to replicate that or inability to at least, you know, emulate that. Well, you know, I think the, the, the so parties in the parties of Bolivia and the parties in Venezuela, 
they had formed in the kind of crucible of some really intense like social struggle so like you know some really intense like work around um around labor struggles in these countries as well as uh especially in Venezuela, the case of of uh you know the uh the slums around the cities the people uh, claiming ownership of their of their uh of their homes that they build um there yeah. were social revolutions taking place civil struggle taking place um that those parties kind of came up with with i i think that with basically if like you said, Austin, it's showing the limits of, of kind of operating with, within the uh, existing political system in the country they find themselves. Um, I think this is just the first step, though. You know, I don't think anybody kind of expects, you know, a, a president inheriting a clusterfuck like uh, Peru had been and, and, and expecting like immediate change. I mean, I think what what the potentials that this government the castillo government however it ends the potentials that it could unleash are are what are really going to um build a a foundation towards a new peru a nuevo peru if you will anyways no, like, <laughs> uh, nice hey, nice <laughs> um, so <clears throat> a lot of different things i want to say i think so i definitely know what you mean there t right as far as relating it to social struggles I think it's important to point out just how unique Peru is in relation to Venezuela. I mean, obviously every country is different, right? But Peru, this whole situation is so remarkable, right? And I think this is the biggest reason we covered it so extensively as we did last year. I would argue there were some situations of deep social struggle happening in Peru. This sure, country went through sure. three fucking presidents in the last two years, right? Right. There were major teacher strikes, which Castillo himself helped lead. Like this had all the – like a lot of the ingredients were there. You know, but yeah, Peru, it's impossible to talk about, you know, the current legacy of what it means to be a Marxist Leninist in Peru, like crudely break mm. all themselves, um, without talking about the shining path, right? Without talking about the fact that Peru itself is such a stratified society, such a stratified country, the dual paradox of the heart of the Spanish elite and the heart of the Inca Empire, right? which obviously there's reasons that that's the case, right? They built it on top that's, to a certain extent. But still, you have deep indigenous, you have Ayacucho, these indigenous communities that came out hard for Castillo, right? But you also have the conservative elites in Lima, which are so deeply entrenched, you know? And still, it's so important to have perspective here. A fucking Marxist Leninist political party won the presidential election in Peru last year. That's fucking insane, right? Now, has it worked out that way materially? No, but Peru Libre, they're going to be a force within Peruvian politics for a while to come, I feel, for a while to come, right? They have seen how to run a presidential campaign that wins, right? And ultimately, that's really what this was, right? Pedro Castillo ran a damn good campaign. I can tell you, right. I, I can tell you right now, guys. I went to some of his campaign rallies. This dude's a hell of a fucking speaker. <laughs> I've been to Bernie Sanders campaign rallies. I've been to various campaign rallies. Pedro Castillo can put on a fucking campaign rally. This dude, like no other politician I've ever seen, has mastered the art of 
knowing when to present himself properly to different crowds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but one thing that I would love to touch upon before we move on, love to touch upon, that you kind of started off this off here, Leroy, and we talked talk about it. What the fuck was the, the cornerstone of this whole campaign? A new constitution. That was right. always the most important thing, and we're seeing why, right? Because of how fucked up the Congress is. New constitution. I know Patria Roja, Nuevo Peru, Peru Libre, they still talk about it, but ugh, looks impossible to achieve, right? A people-led constitution. Even if some sort of movement happens in that process during this Castillo presidency, to me, that's an epic W. Because that's, until that happens, I mean, Vladimir Sarone himself could be elected president. It, fucking Veronica Mendoza could be elected president. You know, I could really be able to change shit. It's more Umalas, more Castillos, right? It's right. No, 100%. And um, just to touch on a couple of things that you said there as well, one thing that we need to remind ourselves, and like, because you mentioned, you know, a Marxist Leninist, you know, party or leaning group of people are in power, or at least in the presidency, we have to remember that Peru, despite being the seat of the Inca Empire, also early on became essentially the seat of the Spanish Empire in Latin America. And it was like the final seat in Latin America. So this monarchist right wing sort of um, sentiment, and like, I guess, internalized ideology has been running deep for the last four or 500 years. So if we're proper Marxists, like you say, proper materialists, you know, believe in the immortal science of dialectical materialism, we can't expect, we can't sincerely expect for things to change, you know, snap your fingers at a course of a year. It's going to take years. Um, it's a bit different in Chile. It was a bit different to Venezuela because I don't think that right-wing fascism was as ingrained as it might have been in Peru, which is why we kind of, it was a bit of a faster road to get there or it's they're they're further along in that process whereas i think with peru it is going to take a while um and this isn't to excuse like anything that's been going on because they need to make it happen but um i think just a, f a few things to keep in mind i think so i know we're running long here and we're about to get into puerto rico which will probably run long as well but i just have a question for both of you guys very simple question uh and if you want you can answer just with a simple yes or no does Pedro Castillo see out his presidency? Leroy. Um, who knows, man? Look, I think I think for the reasons that you said, I think he will, because I think despite like him losing sort of like soldiers, I guess quote unquote soldiers around him in terms of like the actual coalition, whatever, they're still going to vote against that. And I think it's a bit like um what we saw in Colombia, like because you go to some of like the communities there, like they have their issues with, with Chavez. But at the end of the day, Chavez and the Chavismo are the ones, is a system that's allowing them to, you know, getting them to where they want to go. So they might not agree on everything. They might be sort of frenemies, but at the end of the day, that's what's allowing it to happen. So I think it might be a similar situation, at least at the top, like political level, that like they might not agree on a lot. They might have like a bit of a falling out, but at the end of the day, that's a better outcome and the that's a, allows them to get those like two steps forward one step back as opposed to just being stuck in the mud you know what i mean i hope that makes sense i think that was a really good sound argument what do you think too okay so i'm just going to do a simple answer yes um however what i am more interested in is through that presidency you know he's obviously he swings wildly back and forth and has 
I'm curious to see what the intensification, if any, of these uh, strikes in Peru, both uh, the right-wing protests uh, in Lima, because that, could, that is emblematic of the of, of reactions, you know, reactionaries' attitudes, but also, you know, especially the transport workers' right, because the, you know, as of right now, the truckers uh, intend to go indefinitely until their demands are met. So I'm curious as, you know, blockades and road closures have brought down governments. We talk about the Bolivia example. That is the Bolivia example, is that these intensifications of these kinds of of uh, labor actions and social movement actions uh, pave the way for, you know, a changed and maybe broken Congress, you know, you know, so that that's what I'm curious about. I think, yeah, Castillo, he'll serve out his uh, election. Hopefully the best we, you know, that can be hoped is that it would unleash, further unleash those social forces, you know, following the Bolivian example. Well, then allow me to be the odd man out. I don't think he's going all five years. I think you guys, Interesting. Make, I think you guys make very sound arguments. I think if he ends up either getting impeached or forced to resign, I could see a situation where it's like a bullshit uh, corruption thing, right? He ends up fucking up something, it gets traction, mm. and it's like, oh my god, you see, like like Lava Jato's kind of shit. Like, oh, this is unacceptable. Ugh. And he gets so buried, and uh, it leads to him end up leaving office. But if we'll I see. if you if you had to ask me, I don't think he's gone all five years. I could be wrong. We'll though. see. You guys make some sound arguments. Anyway, sorry, I wanted to ask that. But I think that speaks to the fact that who the fuck knows when it comes to Peru? Like who the fuck knows? You know what I mean? Because I think he like he could he, he could um serve it out for the reasons me and T said, or he could be impeached for the reasons you said, Austin. It could go either way. Who knows? Um, but 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 we'll see. But again, like you said, the number one thing is the constitution, which has been sort of obviously like impossible. And like you said, like we, until that happens, you'll get more Umalas and more. I guess obviously with Castillo instead of a like actual you know, leftist president putting in policies that we want to see in Peru, that they need in Peru. Anyway, continuing with um, culture war bullshit, um, Puerto Rico, there's a bill in the Congress that's been voting on. I don't know if it's actually been voted on yet. I know like in the Senate, they voted out, it, it passed like 10 to three or something. Anyway, it's an anti-abortion bill that was um, put forth and highly sponsored and highly you know advocated for by um, John Rodriguez Bebe, who is the pro-independence senator from Proyecto Nigridad, that's the crystal fascist party in Puerto Rico, um, and was voted on almost completely, you know, by the PPD, which is that um, pro-status quo party, um, with uh, Maria Lourdes Santiago uh, voting against it, who's the independentist party senator, um, and I think two other ones, and I think one um, abstained. Um, so, yeah. This is a, again, it's the same fucking bullshit. Like this is, and it's, it's, it's one thing that really gets me like seeing shit like this is that even in Puerto Rico, a lot of like the politicians, the people still try to like tie themselves to like the, like the U.S. political system. Right. So if you look at like polling or whatever, you'll see like the PPD tends to be more liberal, more moderate than say the PMP. Um, and tend to be more part of the Democratic Party, whereas the PMP is the opposite. Yet you see them voting in lockstep with this reactionary right wing, right wing bill. Um, it's it's like like you said, it's Puerto Rico's the Alabama, is a brown Alabama. 
So, you know, uh, like you mentioned, it what happened is it, it came out of a committee yeah. in, in the Senate um, and kind of uh, controversially was held without any kind of like public testimony from any kind of experts. So it was kind of rushed through. Um, and yes, it went 10 to 3 with the party breakdown rather interesting. Um, the, the, the usual suspects uh, voted in favor, including the bad Del Mau. Or at least the the bad Delmel has has allowed this to go through. Um, yeah. And I, I, it's it this kind of this debate or like this kind of culture, like you said, cultural bullshit, really got underway in 2019 because there was a similar yeah. bill back then. You know, uh, Roseo famously vetoed it. Um, and that you know, keep in mind that this kind of these passing of these laws. Was, you know, they were some of the first legislation uh, pertaining to abortion in, in Puerto Rico in decades. You know, Puerto Rico, as a colony of the United States, had full legalized abortion with Roe v. Wade. Um, now, interestingly enough, like the United States, uh, with its, you know, hold over the islands, it has, has been moving in a regressive direction. Uh, this is an interesting contrast to its to the wider region where we have seen in the last few years, you know, stunning advances in uh, reproductive freedom a- across the region. Um, mm. Now, right, exactly. Yeah, you know, uh, there. I think there there was some recent news out of Colombia. Yeah, yeah, the Supreme Court legalized abortion. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, uh, that was in, co- in uh, Colombia. In Colombia. Right. 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 Again, an interesting contrast to what's happening in uh, Puerto Rico. And, you know, so people, as of right now, like legally it can't, it'll do as, it'll have as much as an impact as, you know, the laws that have been passed in the United States. Matter of fact, the bill, uh, this current bill, uh, cites similar laws in a wide variety of states in the, in, in the United States, uh, uh, like 22 uh, different laws. They, they name it in the bill. Um and it, you know, people are wondering, what is the purpose of this? You know, besides kind of just putting further pressure on existing clinics, putting pressure on doctors, putting on pressure on, on uh, you know, women who are, who are seeking uh, abortions, you know, what's the, what are the politics of it? And again, it's, as you mentioned, it's Rodriguez. It's, um, it's this new far right party. Um, the, PPD and the uh, PNP are trying to uh, play politics. They're playing with fire, trying to woo this new, you know, this right, this cohering far right conservative, you know, element in in Puerto Rico. Um, They're playing with fire. They do not know what they could potentially unleash. Um, I, I think it's absolute foolishness. And for the PPD, even even more so, because, you know, you have PIP and uh, MVC waiting in the wings to pick up those, you know, socially liberal uh, uh, voters in, you know, on the islands. Yeah, just quickly, because you're throwing out a lot of um, acronyms and stuff like that. So the PPD yeah, is the, right. the PPD is that sort of pro status quo, Luis Munoz Marin, Commonwealth Party, um, right. traitor to the fucking patria. PNP is obviously the pro statehood party, um, which are a bunch of shitheads. MVC is the um, sort of that big tent party that has pro-statehood elements and has pro-commonwealth elements and has pro-independence elements. And obviously the PIP is the independentist party. Um, that's sort of a, a rundown. But yeah, sorry for interrupting. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, so I, 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 yeah, to continue on just very briefly wrapping up what I was, you know, my thoughts on this, you know, latest round of, of the culture war on the islands is that it is an excellent demonstration of, of just kind of the, the misunderstanding that people in the United States have towards the islands. You know, Steny Hoyer released a statement um, yeah. condemning Bill, but it's 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 phrased very. Uh, I I don't know what the word is. It's very cleverly phrased. Um. Uh. He, <laughs> I, I'm gonna actually quote it. So uh, this was from Steny Hoyer. Uh, quote: I was deeply disturbed to learn that a Senate commission in the Puerto Rico legislature, controlled by the island's Republican affiliated party, advanced a bill through that would ban safe abortions after 22 weeks without yeah. any public testimony or consideration. This is part of a broader Republicanist blah, 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 right? So I find that funny because he's counting, he knows that people reading that, liberals in the United States, Democrats in the United States will read that statement and think that the Republicans are up to their Republican tricks in Puerto Rico when the part, you know, the party system on the islands is, is different, but uh, uh, somewhat similar uh, to, to the United States. Um, this is a, a, a con, you know an old theme of ours, you know the the differences between the more honest party system in Puerto Rico, and that's what's so interesting about uh, the status quo party's position on this because historically they have been socially liberal or at least more socially liberal up until the recent uh, uh, election cycles. It, it's it's kind of a, a, a stronger rightward sh- shift you know, on the islands. And I, you know, for one, and again, maybe I'm biased, but believe that it's colonial status. It's, it's chaining to the United States is influencing this turn where we see in the wider region advances. We're seeing, uh, backward steps. Yeah. Just quickly, Austin, before I take it to you, which is, that's why, that's exactly why I mentioned that the sort of the partisan breakdown of the parties at the beginning, just because, you know, I saw that by Stanley Hoyer talking about like all oh, the Republican affiliate or whatever. When people at the PPD part on the island tend to lean more, you know, Democratic Party than say the PMP. So like it's sort of this cynical ploy by Stanley because at the end he doesn't give a shit what happens in Puerto Rico. He's trying to pin this on the Republican Party when a lot of the people who voted for this pool part of the PPD party are probably you know Democrats, you know, within the U.S. political system, but. It's it's sort of that colonial cynical bullshit of like purposely misunderstanding what's what's going on. All right, take it away, Austin. So forgive me if somebody already mentioned this, but uh, the bill itself, what it does, and anybody can correct me if I'm wrong, is banning abortion after 22 weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So that's just yeah. Go ahead. And and sorry if you were about to say this. Yes, it bans abortion at 22 weeks. But more uh, like, again, another controversial aspect of this is that it would set up a registry. Um, Anybody who does seek an abortion uh, afterwards um, would the doctor, the time, everybody who took part of it would be would be recorded uh, by an official registry with the government. So that's probably also one of the, you know, yeah, it's bad. Not good. good. Yeah, it's that's been getting a lot of fire from um different more progressive politicians in the legislature like this is already i mean it's erupted a storm of controversy and again to the point where steny hoyer uh, is attempting to fool his liberal base uh with misleading statements on 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 what's going on okay so many things i'd love to say about all of this just wanted to be clear about what this bill 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so as as was mentioned, this bill passed the Senate committee, right? The three people that voted against, no surprise, Maria de Lourdes Santiago from the Independence Party, Ana Irma Rivera Lassen from Movimiento Victoria Ciudadana, right, Big Ten Party, and also our friend Vargas Fidel, right, the uh, independent who kind of beats by the zone drawer. Um, anyways, uh, the reason I mentioned that- And one abstention as well. Oh, well, there you go. The reason I mentioned that is because the three no votes were the people outside of the the two established parties, as well as Proyecto Dignidad, right? Almost every popular right, status quo member or every uh, member of the statehood party voted in favor of this immigrant, right? Uh, Jose Luis Del Mal, the bad Del Mal, as you mentioned, T, has been yep. already promoted. Bad Del Mal. Has already the Wario. Yeah. Yeah, Del Mal's Wario. Yeah, there's a great... There was a great meme during the election last year that was something like the Dow Mao you ordered and the Dow Mao that was <laughs> our lovely Paul Shoki. Anyways, so like, anyways, so that's, you know, it's just, you know, some of Dow Mao's, how say Luis Dow Mao's rhetoric going into this has been you know, very disturbing. Obviously, Rodriguez Vedas rhetoric going into this has been disturbing. But I think fundamentally, it's so important to point out that you both touched upon, right? I feel like a lot of this is two bankrupt establishment parties attempting to find ways to uh, feed red meat to their base. Their base yep. that they see going to this growing fucked up movement, right? Which, Projecto Dignidad, you know, something that uh, friends on the islands have told me is that the thing about Projecto Dignidad is, guess what? They have a time every Sunday where they can campaign to every Puerto Rican on the islands, right? Every Sunday. You know, yep. So, yep. like that's a growing part, you know, and Maria in and of herself is a awful character to say the very least. Uh, let's, I'm trying not to think bad thoughts and like men <laughs> more successful. Um, yeah, go ahead, Leroy. Now I was going to say like exactly to that point that the, the thing is, I think you said it best. You have two fundamentally bankrupt, like, parties in this in this like two-party system that instead of playing to the strengths and trying to like grow they're playing into this comically evil crypto fascist party that during the the, the gubernatorial election was a lot like was a laughing stop they dismissed it it's the same shit we saw when trump was running for president how like the liberal establishment goes a hall you know this guy's not gonna win and blah 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 and guess what Trump ended up winning. And I'm not saying that Project Dignidad has this plurality in in government. It, it doesn't, which is why it's incredible that they have one or two people in, in government, yet they're wielding all this power. They're essentially like the, um, the what, like, what's it called? They're, they're the, the, yeah, something like that, where like, they have no power, like, ostensibly, but they're like, basically running the show because at the end of the day, the PPD is wanting to court their their base. The PMP is trying to court their base, right? Because the PMP, even though they try to talk about how like, you know, they're they're more liberal, they're this, they're progressive, whatever the fuck, like at the end of the day, a big part of their base that they recognize is this big right wing, you know, um like like cohort of people on the island that they're they've they that they're that they're losing. Um and instead of just basically treating them like they're fucking like not I don't want to say irrelevant because they're not irrelevant, but treating them like the clowns they are they're legitimizing their existence. And this is what we're seeing. You know what I mean? You have one person in set in the Senate basically being the figurehead, the face of this thing that's going to pass, unfortunately. And here's the thing, like the Popularis, the status quo party, the PPD, 
They basically took back the Senate last year. Oh, great, they took it back from the statehood party. Look what the fuck they're doing with it, right? Look what the fuck Jose Luis Delma is doing as majority leader. Just That's what I'm trying it. to say. Yeah. Exactly. It's just like established. It's just like you know, comparing it to other you know situations where it's establishment parties running the show. What happens? They can always team up to do the bad shit, right? They can always team yeah. up to do the bad shit. It's interesting. It that tends to go when you have two establishment, you know, kind of factions in a in a you know political structure, you know, in a in a in a government. They will, you know, they will come together to quash any sort of, you know, change, no matter which direction it goes to. Um, I think that it it seems rather foolish of the stat of the status quo party. Um, if I mean, they're just going to allow. I mean, that allows MVC and the Independence Party to sort of to to take command of that of that social struggle or to be involved in it you know to you know to to fight back against the ruling parties but i think to that point i think that's the point i was trying to get at because at the end of the day what's the popular propaganda the anti-independentist propaganda that you know independentists and in, like independence only gets like three percent of the vote so they treat the independence party more of a joke than they do project unity that you know what I mean? So to them, NBC is a joke. It's irrelevant. The Independence Party is, is, is irrelevant because at the end of the day, what we have to remember, and we always talk about it, statehood is a fundamentally reactionary position. It's a, it's a fundamentally, you know, imperial position. So is pro-status quo. So is pro, you know, whatever the fuck the PPD wants the status to be. So because at their very core, what their, their entire ideology is based on is reaction, everything else is sort of just runs downstream from that. You know what I mean? So it's not surprising that they advocate for this. It's not surprising that they treat, they legitimizing a crystal fascist party um, and like dismissing a liberal, you know, liberal leaning, like two liberal leaning parties. Because at the end of the day, at at the fundamental core, the right wing, the reactionaries, you know what I mean? Also, let's think about how the, the popular democratic party itself, like views itself and positions itself. They're the populares. They're the democracy, right? They touch into the consciousness of the Puerto Rican people who want the status quo, right? Who are socially conservative in this sort of case. Their image is the fucking straw hat, right? Ah, they are the Puerto Rican soul, right? As they like to portray themselves. They have the image of the Hiwaro. Exactly. Because that's how they try to position themselves. So they look at this, to me, I don't think they, kind of echoing this, I don't think they look at this as, oh, goodness, we're, going to try and appeal to a conservative base no in their mind they're appealing to the puerto rican people right they're once again they're the populares they are the democracy itself i feel like that's how they like to position themselves um i think um it did to me one of the overarching themes here is projection that they're succeeding yeah. in exploiting social issues right and bringing them to the forefront but question i have a question for both of you guys real quick and this might be on the record so i don't fucking know um we got the fucking riddler over here T, all these questions. T, you already mentioned Rosayo vetoed the last time. If this passes, is Pierre Luisi going to veto? What do you guys think? Yeah. He's also. Ooh. Yeah. What do you guys think? I th- I think he'll veto it just because again he's I th- he's a, he's a Democrat, right? Pierre Luisi is a Democrat, so he'll still yeah. want to you know kiss up to his democratic overlords because at the end of the day he's a, he's a comprador so he serves he, he he's he does whatever the democratic party says 
You know what I mean? Um, so I think if his people, standing horror is like, yeah, we're going to veto this because it's bad, or the Democratic side, oh, this is bad, you know, blah, 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 then I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I think it'll pass Congress, but I think when it gets to him, I think I'm inclined to believe he'll veto it. But I'm not holding out. I'm not holding my breath because he's a he's a colossal piece of shit. So, what about you, T? I think he'll veto as well. I mean, there's already the precedent of Roseo. Yeah, yeah. In, in in this case, I will I will agree with both of you. I think I think Pierre Louis. Well, here's why I'm of two minds, right? I think you're right, Leroy, in that Pierre Louis he's a Democrat, right? He's a member of the United States Democratic Party, um, and not just that. I feel like he's always in the, been in the mold of like a, a new Democrat, so to speak, like an old school, like Clinton yeah. Democrat type, like a corporate robot, right? And yeah. yeah. Because of that, I could see him once again just following what the party would want, which is to veto this, make them look good. Oh, you see, right? We're protecting reproductive rights. However, at the same time, there's a reason that this is happening, right? And I'm sure there are going to be voices within the statehood party, within his party in Puerto Rico that are going to say things like, oh my God, you're going to embolden Projecto Unidad. You're going to cost us voters, right? To me, that's one of the biggest question marks going into 2024. Yeah. How many votes is Projecto Unidad going to be able to take away from the PNFAs, from the statehood party? And especially mm. galvanizing issues like this, that they can set themselves apart and say, ah, you see, we're fighting the culture war and that piece of shit, Pierre Luisi vetoed it. Think about that, guys. Yeah. Not to mention all the all the anti-trans laws that are you know popping up across the United States because that's going to be. I mean, that's already been a big fucking thing because Puerto Rico has been a fundamentally homophobic and transphobic and patriarchal society. So I'm I'm waiting because I think abortion has always been an issue. Like in the United States for decades, we're seeing a massive resurgence of like you know. Um, pedophilic satanic panic being tied to like you know transphobic issues and that'll then be the next thing is oh we can get away with this anti-abortion thing then we could push for the you know this the trans thing um and i and i want to go back to you know we we always joke around about like you know puerto rico being like a brown alabama and a, a friend of the show paul first brought that up and i don't think that's necessarily a dismissive thing like it's a cynical thing oh you know just it's, it's hopeless i think that's about recognizing where Puerto Rico is now. And I think that demonstrates like the challenges that are ahead of us and the people organizing that that's where it is. So we, we, this is the starting point. We have to go somewhere. And I don't think, I mean, want to be very clear. That's not a dismissive thing that we, we, we talk about because like Austin, like you said, it's meeting people where they are and building from there. It's, <laughs> I mean, 2024 is going to be a mess. I mean, no matter what, I mean, two years is a long time, but it's going to be a mess. I mean, just with, with the, um, I mean, clearly, it. I don't know. It, it's it's going to. Dude, here's the last thing I'll say here. 2024 is going to be one hell of an election because here's the thing. <laughs> exactly. I really, I've said this before. I'll say it again, and I know why a lot of people are really averse to this. I know Leroy, you said this in the past. If Peep and NBC can work out some sort of fucking coalition, dude, I really feel like the math could be there. For somebody to literally be elected governor with like 20% of the vote, which obviously that's fucked up in and of itself. But dude, like, I think, I think there's a, like with this situation, I think there's a serious chance that Project Indy is going to eat a serious chunk 
out of not just the statehood party, the Penepes, but also Popularis, the PPD, right? I think there's a yeah. serious chance it's going to happen. If that happens, who the fuck knows? Like it's whoever whoever will whoever wins will be will have even less of a vote share than like it's just a continuing declining of of the vote share of of who who gets to be governed because of just we're witnessing the just the splintering of of, of the Puerto Rican party system. You, what you could see happen, I think the Penepes are going to nominate Jennifer. Jennifer Gonzalez for governor. She's, <laughs> oh, fuck. Here's the thing. She's already, she's already won statewide, and she's a Republican. Yeah. She's a Republican. She oh, will that be, would suck. She will be much better suited to rebuff the culture war attacks from the Projecto, from Projecto Didi Dot. That's true. That's true. You very well see the Penepes swing further in a, like a Republican direction. I don't know that that would happen. Um, but who the fuck knows? A lot of different factors to consider here. Man. No, a hundred percent. And last thing on that, um, y'all know my misgivings with um, NVC, but <laughs> with, within the within the limited, like like we keep talking about, within the limited system of the bourgeois electoral system, to be pragmatic, I think that would probably be the way to go because at, at least to gain that power, they could sort of work out the bullshit later on. Um, but to be fair, at the end of the day, the NVC is more like the PIP. Than the PIP is to the and PNP and you know what I mean like they're they're closer to a thing than like the PIP to the other two parties so it'll be it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see um, I know that on um, Puerto Rico would fucking collapse into like a black hole singularity if like the PNP or the PPD don't win the governorship um, because it's been one of the two for the last however many years you know what I mean um, fucked up it'll be incredible it'll be incredible. I will, I, will, I will fly to Puerto Rico and just fucking <laughs> rub it in my family's Yo, face. Yeah. yeah. For real, anyway. bro. Yeah, 100%. Anyway, um, we could be here all day talking about Puerto Rico, which is why we always leave it to last. But uh, we'll cut it off here because we have to end somewhere. Um, we'll keep y'all posted on like the further developments in the Puerto Rican culture war that's um, been going on for the last 500 years. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Um, again, sorry for the, for the extended hiatuses. Yes, Austin? You're cutting me off. Sorry, no, I just, just wanted to say before we, uh, before we close out here, um, a very prominent, and you guys might have seen this on Twitter, a very prominent, well-known Viacense uh, comrade passed away about a week ago, uh, Bob Rabine. Bob Rabine yeah. was a leader in the Navy uh, out of Vieques protests. Bob Rabine was a force of nature within raising awareness to the struggle of Vieques, which still doesn't have a fucking hospital, right? We'd be remiss without mentioning that. So I just want to go say rest in power to the dearly departed comrade Bob Rabine. 100%. The same Biekas that was, exactly, the same Biekas that was literally bombed for decades by the U.S. Navy, but that's that's a whole conversation. Anyway, yeah, rest in power to that. Um, Also, shout out to the freaking um, Amazon Union in Staten Island. Like, Oh, yeah, for real. You know what I mean? Shout out. Um, Again, that's a whole other conversation. but yeah, so thanks to everyone for tuning in. Um, again, hopefully we can get our shit together and kind of get back on track. Hopefully we can we can we can do that. Um, but again, thanks for tuning in. And if you like what we do and um, want to support us to be able to dedicate more time to this, consider showing your solidarity on our Patreon. Um, that way, I can quit my job and become a my dream of being a stay at home dad slash gardener slash um, uh, talking into a mic with these fellas here. Um, and I'm sure um, T wants to quit his his job because. Yeah, it's 
it is what it is. Motherfucker trying to create Jurassic Park over here. Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> that's 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 an after dark thing. Anyway, thanks for tuning that's, in. That's, yeah. yeah, shout out to all the Muslim homies in the world again. Happy Ramadan. Shout out to um, all the beautiful um, people on the spectrum across the planet with um, acceptance month. Um, my wife actually put together a fundraiser to, you know, raise awareness. I've shared it, so I'll share it again. That way, even if you can, donate to that because um, trying to support a lot of beautiful people. Um, without, but without anything else, um, we'll cut it off there. Put a bow on it there, and um, yeah, see y'all next time. Hasta la victoria. Peace. Later, y'all.